0: Uh, The reading today is from Acts 13, verses 13 to 52. Acts 13, 13 to 52. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you had a word of exhortation for the people please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. And John, um, as John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for. But there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-feeling Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and the rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus As it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessing promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification that you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, The people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with him and urged them uh, to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of the God to you first. Since you reject it, and do not consider yourself worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stood up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit.
1: Well, Thanks uh, very much, Diedrich. Um, it's quite a long reading. Hope you stick with it. And do keep that um, passage open in front of you because we're going to be referring to that as we go along. My name is Josh. I'm an elder here at Christchurch, and I am on staff here as well, um, and I'm going to talk for a little while about um, how God speaks to us through that passage, and before we, before I do, uh, let's pray. Father God, we um, have before us your word, but it is a, a long passage, and it's about something someone else did, and we pray that by your spirit you would move in our hearts and Speak to us through your word as, as it's preached, that, you, that we might actually uh, have our eyes opened to find that this really does speak deep to us. We pray that you'd open our hearts to receive your word and that you would change us uh, through encountering Jesus today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, when I was um, about five or six years old, I won a book. Now, I don't think it was a storybook. Um, this is, they, they managed to take a photo of me when that happened. Um, I, I don't think it was a storybook, and it wasn't like an activity book. I can't quite describe what it was, because my memory about it is not so much vivid about what kind of book it was, but how I felt about it. I'd won this book. It was the only thing I'd ever won in my life up until then. And it came to me through the post. So it had my, my name on it, and it was especially for me. It was just for me. I was the one recipient and I'd never had a book like it. And I knew nobody else who'd got a book like it. And it made me feel very, very special that I was the proud owner of this this red book. Um, It made me feel special and I treasured that book. And then something happened to make me treasure the book a bit less and feel a bit less special about myself. I discovered that other people in my class had also been sent the same book. It's one thing to say you've, you've won the book, but when everyone else has won it too, it makes you feel a little bit less special. I wasn't the only one who'd received it through the post. I wasn't the only one who'd, who'd had it in an envelope with my name on it. And from then on, I didn't really value the book quite as much. I suppose if I was more mature than five years old, I could have said, doesn't that speak to the generosity of the giver that they've given lots of books away. Aren't they kind? Isn't it great that my friends get to enjoy the joy that I experienced? Uh, But I didn't think like that. I just felt a little bit, well, you know, ever so slightly betrayed that what had come through the post with my name on it (laughs) had actually gone through other people's letterboxes with their name on it. Well, that is going to be relevant to remember for looking at the passage that we have in front of us. Um, The passage is a long one from the book of Acts, The book of Acts um, is a book in the New Testament of the Bible that reads kind of like a chronological story. And at this point, we are about halfway through the book. So I'll bring you up to speed on what's going on and explain, explain briefly what this passage is about. At the heart of the book of Acts is this the message about Jesus is spreading. And so. Last week, we were at the beginning of Acts chapter 13, and two guys, a guy called Paul and Barnabas, had been sent by a church, their home church, in a town called Antioch. So Paul and Barnabas were sent from Antioch to tell the message about Jesus to far-flung places in the world. So they get on a ship, they set sail. Last week, we met them on the island of Cyprus, and if you want to know what happened to them there, you can read the earlier bit of Acts chapter 13, but today they leave Cyprus And they go north to the mainland to what is today southern Turkey. They go up some mountains and they get to a town called Antioch, which is confusing because they came from Antioch. It's not the same place. Uh, Think of it like York and New York. Not the same place. Not too tricky to get our heads around. So they end up in a place called Pisidian Antioch. Uh, That's where they get to, and they spread the message of Jesus, as per the theme of the book of Acts. That's what they're doing in today's passage. But what we're going to find is that when they spread the message of Jesus to these people in Pisidian Antioch, the response of the people who hear it is a lot like my response with my book. They start to feel special. They discover in today's passage that that their Jewish ancestry puts them in a really special position. They're chosen by God to receive his promises. And those promises really promise Jesus. And it's free forgiveness in Jesus. And that is great news for them. So as they enjoy that, Uh, they, they feel really special that they are the Jewish people who receive Jesus. Until they discover that other people have been given the same message too. This is not just for them, it's for other people. And this turns them off. It shouldn't do, but it does. But what we're going to find today in this passage is that this speaks to our tendency to do something similar as well. You might not think you do. Um, At our church, we never say things like, Hey, it's great that you're here at Christchurch and Jesus has chosen us for forgiveness. But by the way, don't tell anyone else because it's not for them. We never say that. But... Christians throughout the ages have had a tendency, and you might have it deep in your heart, to to say, well, I don't mind being forgiven. But there might be a person who also gets forgiveness, but I'm not keen on them getting it. We think it's great that Jesus is for everyone. And yet when it comes to us actually wanting to share Jesus with everyone, we can be that little bit selective about who we want to hear Jesus. My friends, yes. My neighbours, yes. Maybe, if I get the chance. Muslims. Let's leave that one to someone else, shall we? We can be selective and at the same time say that Jesus is free for everybody. Well, I hope that what we are doing is not the same as what the people in Pisidian Antioch do and chase missionaries away. But I do think that resenting forgiveness, we might do that. Being selective about who we think Jesus is for, we think we probably do that too. So, we're going to look at Acts 13 to see how this speaks to our prejudices and gives us as a bigger and more joyful view of what God is doing in the world. And to do that, we need to get our head around three things from this episode in Pisidian Antioch. And the first one is this God comes free. God comes free. So, I've brought you up to speed on the story. So, um, Paul and Barnabas, and it's, it actually mentions in verse 1 they're travelling companions. Um, not verse one, verse, the first verse, verse 13. Um, they arrive in Antioch, in Pisidian Antioch, and they go to the synagogue because they're Jews and they know other Jews. So they meet with the Jews because they know them. And they're invited in verse 13 and, uh, and verse uh, 14 and 15. They're invited to speak, to share something to their fellow Jews. And now the majority of today's passage is what Paul says to them. So it's quite a long section from verses 16 all the way to verse uh, 41, which is Paul's sermon. And his long sermon, I'm going to quickly summarize it. He he starts with Israel's history, goes back to their beginning. He quotes from some of the Jewish psalms and prophecies. And then he reports some events from Jerusalem that they may have caught wind of that happened a few years earlier. He explains all that to them. But one theme that he's bringing out as he preaches to them in this big long section in verses 16 to 41 is this. God comes free. What do I mean by that? Well, over the last couple of years, I've been making regular trips to Bridgend in South Wales, and I have had to get the train. So I've uh, gone through that whole process of uh, sitting down at the computer and searching for train tickets and You think, oh, that's a little bit expensive. I wonder if I can get an earlier train and that'll be a bit cheaper. And then you compare the prices between two one-ways versus a return. You try and get a good price. Eventually, you settle on one. It's still a little bit expensive. You've gone through all that trouble, but you buy it. And in the end, my train tickets might have been like £70 or £80. It's it's, it's not cheap. Uh, But, you know, I've done it and I've paid the money. So I've got my ticket. So I turn up at Liverpool Lime Street Test Station. The train that I want is on the platform nearest the entrance. So I just wander on in and wander on up to the train. And I sit down, earphones in, read my book, train goes. I arrive, I hop off the train at the other end and I walk out of the station. And then I'm halfway down the road and I realise nobody checked my ticket. I went through all of that. I went through all of the searching. I went through all of the like choosing the right price ticket. I went through all of the paying I spent 70 or 80 pound on this ticket. And in the end, it was a free journey, essentially. It's quite frustrating. It's not exactly the same situation in Pisidian Antioch, but the Jews who are listening to Paul's sermon would be the ticket-buying type. They'll have related to God by keeping the law, by doing what they know they should do before God. And they have probably been thinking that if they are doing the things that God's people should do, well, that makes them God's special people. And this theme that comes out as Paul is preaching to them is this. Actually, nobody ever earned God. Even right back in your history, God has always come for free. You never had to pay for that. He begins in their Jewish history. He mentions in verse 17, God, the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors so he's saying to them, if you look back in your history, this whole special people of God thing only began because not because anyone earned it by impressing God, but by God choosing you. And verse 19, it says that God gave your ancestors the land that, you're, that they got to live in as an inheritance. That's a really helpful word. Think of what an inheritance is. A person might become a millionaire because they work hard, they're good at what they do, they're savvy, they're exceptionally gifted to be able to make a lot of money. Or a person might become a millionaire by inheriting the money. They don't have to work for it. It's come totally free. And that's what Paul is saying. Your land was, was even just given to you for free. You didn't have to work for that. That's how God works. He's always been giving... And in fact, Paul makes a hint in verse 18, he refers to their conduct in the wilderness. Um, These Jews who hear this will know that that refers to a time in their history when actually the Jewish nation were particularly rebellious. They met God with a lot of aggression and hostility, and they didn't actually deserve anything but, but judgment. So Paul is making this theme, even in your history, God has always come free. It's never been a case that they can earn God. God has never invited people to come to him on the basis of their own goodness, only on the basis that God chooses them and gives freely to them. And that's going to be quite important. But that's only half of Paul's message. Um, God is blessing this Jewish nation so that he can give them promises. And Paul fast forwards and says the promises are relating to a king, a saviour king. And he says that saviour king is Jesus. You might have heard of him. He mentions about the whole business of an execution in Jerusalem 900 miles away from them. But by now, the message has probably come through that this guy was executed. Well, Paul points out from the Jewish text, this guy, Jesus, was the Messiah that you're waiting for. And he fulfills those promises. So he climaxes his sermon in verse 39 with his take-home point. This is what I'm getting at, guys. God has only ever come free. He's only ever given. And now Jesus has come. You get to receive again. And this is what you get to receive. Through him, through Jesus, everyone who believes... Is set free from every sin, and that's a justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. In other words, if by following the law and doing all that you thought you should do, you were never ever actually going to get forgiven. But now God is giving that for free. It was never about earning, and it still isn't about earning. God is giving this out for free. Forgiveness is available for free, and God is applying. uh, Paul is applying it to them. He's saying. You guys, the Jewish people in the synagogue in Pisidian Antioch, you never earned God. God chose you. God gave things as an inheritance. And now, forgiveness of sins. You can never earn that, but that is free. Forgiveness of sins is not for the hard working, but for everyone who believes. Now, that is really, really good stuff. Their initial response, my response to other people getting that book, was a bit, um, a bit messed up. But it's really actually very good stuff. This is really good news. And Paul is actually really keen to get this message across. I can imagine him teaching this, not saying, oh, this is going to be a problem for you, but saying with, with a smile on his face. He knows that this offers them and everyone a way to come to God without actually being blocked by your own failures in the past. A way to get close to God. Just because he's giving that out for free. Your inadequacies and your failures, they don't matter. All that is asked of them is that they believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises. And trust that he is the one that brings them forgiveness of sins. That is a message that we as a church, we love. We always want to be talking about that. We always want to be singing that in our songs. We always want to be preaching that to you. We love that message. We always want to say to people in our church, hey, did you sin? Did you mess up? Well, you know that forgiveness has only ever been free. <laughs> you know that that hasn't made any difference, don't you? You know that because Jesus is a real person who was executed, executed without reason and who God raised from the dead, that his death means that that sin that you did, that thing that you did, is erased. And you get to come to God totally freely. You never thought you had to earn that, did you? We love that message. And that's a message that, by the way, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you, you're just exploring or you've got some questions or you've never really thought Christianity is for you. Well, this is the message that we'd love you to, to clock today, that anything that you've done that makes you feel far off from God, any distance or blockage between you and God, God says that's, that'll be wiped away because of what happened to Jesus in history. If you just want to believe in Jesus and depend on him, And that kind of thing, God has only ever offered for free. There's no paying for that. There's no earning that. God comes free. We think that's wonderful news. And in the story of Acts, at this point, this wonderful news is spreading throughout the world, including to these Jews in Pisidian Antioch. But in the the book of Acts, we're also seeing that that wonderful news comes with implications that aren't always welcome. If you get your head around the wonderful truth that God comes free... You have to get your head around another truth, too, and that free is for everyone. Free is for everyone. There used to be a thing um, that happened in Sefton Park uh, called the Liverpool International Music Festival. I don't know if it still goes on, um, but it is what it says it is. It's a music festival, um, and there's a stage that they put up in Sefton Park, and it's, it's great fun to go. And they get bands. They get all kinds of different types of music. They get uh, orchestras, and they get rap music, and they get Caribbean music, and they get rock music, uh, and it's really, really great. Um, One year I, I went to go and see the Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra play alongside the Lightning Seeds. Now some of you will think, oh, that sounds ace. I thought, oh, that sounds ace. Some of you might not know who the Lightning Seeds are. They're a band who were in the charts in the 90s. So that means for me, it was like the soundtrack of 1996 to 98. So it was really quite nostalgic. So it was really great to go and see the Lightning Seeds and the Philharmonic Orchestra just down the road, in Zefton Park. It was a really great festival. But the, the, the great thing about it was that it was free. It was just right there and it was free. You just turn up and go in. The problem with it though, the problem is that it was free. <laughs> because that means it's free for everyone. <laughs> so if I thought that I was gonna get front row seats and be able to have a great view, well I was mistaken. Because it it was free and everyone else came. If I thought I was going to get to go to the food stand without having to go through loads of queues, I was mistaken. If I thought I was going to get to go to the port without having to queue for 10 minutes to get in there, well, I was mistaken. And that's the problem with free things. It's free for everyone and you get anyone coming along. Now, Paul finishes off his sermon in verses 40 and 41. We've mentioned how wonderful his news is and yet he finishes it with an interesting warning. He's saying you can have forgiveness with God just but without having to earn it. It's just totally free. But then he says in verse 40, so take care. Take care not to do something which people have been doing throughout Israel's history. And that is hearing this amazing thing that God is doing and then turning your back on it. Why would you do that? Why would you hear what the amazing thing that God is offering, uh, what God is doing? And why would you reject your own Messiah and free forgiveness? Why would you reject that? Because it's free. And because free is for everyone. And because it's not just for you. And it's for the person who's not worked for it. And that doesn't sit so well with them. Verse 42 and 43, they start off interested. And from what we know what happens later in the book of Acts, we do know that some people responded genuinely. They had a heart response to Jesus. They gave themselves to him. But the problem was in verse 44, when the next Sabbath day, it says almost the whole city turned up to hear his message. Because here's the thing. If it's true that you can be forgiven of your sins without having to obey the Jewish law... (sighs) <sighs> then the whole city is going to get to become forgiven by God and be part of the special people of God, even though they haven't done the hard yards of what it means to be Jewish and hardworking and obedient and suffering. People who yesterday were worshipping idols at the pagan temple and having orgies with occult prostitutes, today... They're going to be in God's special people just because they turned up at this Sabbath. And apparently they can just tap into the perks of this, the fulfillment of the Jewish religion just by believing. And most of these Jews start to do what Paul had warned them about. They see what God is doing... They see that forgiveness is free, that God comes free. And when that means for them, it's forgiveness, it's okay. But when they see that free is for everyone, they reject the message. And by verse 50, they're stirring up the city mayor, the councillors, the MPs, the celebrities, and they're driving Paul and his companions out of the city. Now, there's a way that many of us might read this passage, especially if you're not Jewish. And you read this and you think, well, isn't that an awful response? Ah, oh, isn't that awful? This is Jews stopping non-Jews from hearing about Jesus. And as a non-Jew myself, isn't that awful? What they're doing is wrong. But you see, what is happening here is these law-abiding people, people whose lives have always been oriented around honouring God, they're feeling the sharp end of what they feel is injustice. That people not like them, whose lives are full of greed and idol worship, they get to come close to God on the same terms as them. And I wonder if putting it like that means this is something a little closer to home. I think Christians have got a long history of what verse 45 says is jealousy. I don't know about you, being a Christian, for many of us, has been costly. For some of you, it's meant having to leave your hometown, your home country. Some of you have really, really suffered for it. And those of us who haven't suffered so so harshly still feel that we've been missing out on something, perhaps, by being a Christian. I mean, if you've grown up in a Christian family, it may well be that you've had a quiet time every day. You've given up your holidays to serve at kids' camps. You've never had sex before marriage. You've given generously to church. Or maybe one of those isn't true for you, and you feel the burden of guilt that that is not what you're like. And you've you've held that, and you've watched as other people... Other people, they gossip and, and they have one night stands and they take fancy holidays. And that's not what you've given yourself to. And for what? Because they can have all the fun and then still come and one day come to Jesus in repentance and faith and he forgives every last sin. Or maybe that someone's hurt you and it just doesn't seem fair that, that God opens his arms wide to both them and you. The other person never made things right with you and apparently God will wipe their slate clean while you're still hurting. If forgiveness is free for everyone who believes, as Paul says in verse 19, we look at these Jews in Pisidian Antioch, we can see that some of us do actually struggle with the idea that free really is for everyone and free is for the undeserving. But here's the thing that they didn't get that I really want us to get. And I'm just going to kind of rewind here because the thing that they didn't get is the first thing we mentioned God has always come free. It's always been like that. You were never accepted on the basis of the fact you had quiet times every day and gave generously to church. That was never earning you any merit with God anyway. He only ever chose you out of his kindness. And however much that other person who's hurt you doesn't deserve forgiveness, well, please don't be mistaken into thinking that you did deserve forgiveness when God forgave you. No, no. You didn't deserve it. God always came for free. And that's not actually, that's not the truth to help us swallow the, the the hard pill that, you know, undeserving people get forgiven. This is actually something to rejoice in, to make you glad that actually you are that other person who doesn't deserve forgiveness. You always were that person who never deserved anything. It's a miracle God chose you, but he did. And God comes free, and that means it's wonderful that free means for everyone. But then this story takes a turn. Now that the the Jews from the synagogue have, have tried to throw Paul out, the story takes a turn. They're heaping abuse on Paul in verse 45. They're contradicting his message. So in verse 46, Paul says, I'm going to take this wonderful message of forgiveness now specifically to the Gentiles. Specifically to the people we've always thought don't deserve it because they're willing to accept it. And that's because of the third truth in this passage, that everyone means anyone. Everyone means anyone. By telling the Jews that he's now going to preach the same message of Jesus to Gentiles, here's what Paul's doing. He's spreading the message of Jesus deliberately to people who are open to it, over against People who he'd like to respond to it. Over against people who are like him. Over against people he relates to. Over against people who share the same ancestry, the same culture, the same skin color as him. He's saying actually these group of people are open to it. So that's where I'm gonna, what I'm going to do next. He's going to write in a letter, years from this, he's going to write in a letter and he's going to say that his heart is in anguish over all those Jewish people who who haven't accepted Jesus. And his heart's deep desire is that one day they might come to accept Jesus. He even says that if he could, he wishes that he would miss out on Jesus altogether and be judged by God, just so that some of them might be able to come and trust in him. He clearly has a preference who he wants to accept the message of Jesus. He clearly would prefer that Jewish people hear about Jesus. But he knows that he doesn't get to choose. He knows that everyone means anyone, not the people he chooses. And because everyone means anyone, well, he knows that there's going to be some people in the city who are open to Jesus. And so when he realizes they're not in the synagogue, verse 46, he changes his priority so that his, his priority isn't that his preferred audience would become Christians, but that whoever is there who is open to it, would become a Christian. Because everyone means anyone. Do you see that subtlety in that priority? Yeah, of course, he'll happily preach Jesus to everyone, but there has come a point where he knows that he's got to direct his attentions to anyone who'll listen rather than going ahead with people who he loves who are not listening. And that's another truth that I don't think we see modelled very much in modern Western Christianity. If everyone means anyone, then I think it's quite odd that we are not more indiscriminate about who we choose to share Jesus with and who we pray for. Imagine it like this. I think it is wonderful that some of you pray every week for a non-Christian housemate. If you do that, I really want to encourage you. Um, I would love to see that happen more and more and more at Christchurch. But if you pray for a non-Christian housemate every week of the year, but in that year, you've never been open to having a chat with someone different to you, your Hindu coursemate, because they're just totally different to you. (laughs) What are you going to connect about? You're never going to be like really great mates with them. So you're not opening up that conversation. Well, perhaps you haven't got that everyone means anyone. Anyone who who will listen. Anyone who might be ready and open to respond to the message of Jesus. And anyone might not be the anyone you expect. And it might not be the anyone who you're hoping for. Just like we discover in Antioch in verse 48. Sadly, Although Paul made a beeline for the synagogue, sadly, this time the Jews weren't open to it. That was the anyone he hoped would accept Jesus. But he realized, well, this has got to go to anyone. So he tried out anyone who'd accept his message. So he took it to the people he he didn't come to speak to, the, the Gentiles. Now, I do want to be careful not to be heard saying that praying for someone over a long period of time is not worth it. It is, really is. Please do that. And it's also certainly not the case that anybody who receives Jesus and becomes a Christian always does it overnight. So it is worth persevering long-term, opening up with people about our faith, sharing Jesus with them, the same people day by day that God has put you among. Yeah, that is worth doing. But as you do that, don't miss the fact That that person who sits on the same bus as you, opposite you, every day reading a book about spirituality, whose heart is clearly open to some spiritual leading. Or the person who serves you coffee at Nero every morning with the tattoo of a Bible quote. Or that next door neighbour who just randomly turned up at our carol service in December. Don't miss the fact that they might be the anyone. (laughs) They might be the anyone who's ready to hear the gospel. They're clearly interested. They might have a question. Everyone means anyone. The different but open anyone. And it's not up to us to be choosing who's in and who's out. So here's Antioch. Here's what happens in Antioch. God comes free. And I hope you love that truth. From start to finish, God has never asked for an audition of holiness to get you in. He accepts you because he chose you. It's great. I build my life on that. I dedicate my life to to trusting in that and living that out. It's brilliant, but that has to mean that free is for everyone. So keep in mind that you're only here because of God's gracious work in your life. And so we, we can't be resenting it when others get forgiven on those same terms. But everyone means anyone. And we don't get to choose. So let's be open to the unexpected, the unusual, the different from us, anyone's, who are open to hearing about Jesus. Imagine a church where free grace is combined with an opening, uh, an open and welcoming spirit that loves everyone and loves the different anyone's. That is how God chose to grow his church in that first generation. Let's pray that he does that among us too.